Thank you, David. Good evening. Thank you for being here. I love this church. And so I thought, why don't we just make a theme out of that? And tonight we're looking at one of the ways that we can express our love for the church is by praying for her. I'm sure you heard the story about the guy who uh, prayed to God. God, it's been a pretty good day so far. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been overindulgent. But in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of this bed and start my day, and I'm going to need all the help I can get. We certainly need all the help that we can get, right? The church needs all the help she can get. Even though God established her, even though Jesus is head of her, and even though I believe she's going to stand no matter what happens, we still are called to be his hands and his feet in the world. God has always operated through people, right? Yes, he acts upon his creation in ways that are supernatural, but he uses people over and over again, and he is using us. Are you useful? Are you ready to be used? One way that we can be really, really integral to the work that is happening here at Oldham Lane is to pray. If the church at Oldham Lane is going to succeed, it won't be because of programming. It won't be because of the ministry staff. It won't be because of the shepherds or the deacons. It won't be because of any slick advertising campaign or evangelism program. First and foremost, if the Oldham Lane Church of Christ is going to succeed, it's going to be because of prayer. And hopefully you are praying daily for the church here at Oldham Lane. I'm afraid that sometimes we lose sight of the purpose and the power of prayer, that maybe we become ritualistic and routine. We talked about that a, a couple of months ago in our series on prayer. We need to make sure that while it is a ritual, that it because, doesn't become rote and mechanical, but rather that it becomes powerful. A praying church is a powerful church. And so, I want to encourage you tonight as we look through Acts chapter 12 that we be a praying church. Turn there with me. You know, before we get there, after Jesus ascended, the apostles were faced with the daunting task of taking the gospel to a lost world. But you know, they didn't meet in that upper room to look at a map or to devise some sort of evangelism strategy. They met in that room, and you know what they did? They prayed. That was the first order of business. Acts 1.14 says they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And then in Acts 2, after 3,000 souls were added on the day of Pentecost to the Lord's church, the Bible tells us that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. In Acts chapter 12, we read these words, starting in verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during those days of unleavened bread, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. There is a very small yet profound word found in verse 5. And we've talked about this on many occasions, how small words in the Bible can have a big meaning. And that little word but here has a big meaning. In fact, many times when you see it in Scripture, it has a major meaning. This little word but comes at a time when the situation looks desperate. 
Peter might be executed. It looks like the fledgling church might not even get off the ground, right? And yet, the apostles come together. What would certainly be a blow to their efforts if Peter died, they come together with one accord, and they bow their head in prayer. They called on God to intervene. Things looked bad, but, but, there was prayer. There was prayer that God would intercede. And Scripture says that they prayed fervently. Your version may say without ceasing. That word fervently means to stretch. In the Greek, it's a medical term. It refers to stretching a ligament beyond its useful point. It's, you know, stretching or pulling a hamstring would be, you know, fall under that category. So it's to stretch beyond boundaries. And when applied to the Lord's people, it denotes the church pouring its heart out before God. In this passage, it refers to praying intently and strenuously. In other words, how bad do you want what you're praying for? These first century Christians were desperate. They were desperate for what they prayed for. When we pray in private, do we exercise fervency? When we pray in public, do we exercise fervency? A lot of times, you know, our corporate prayers are, you know, for it to rain or, you know, God garden direct or have, have Chris uh, have a ready recollection of what he prepared to say. But, you know, are, are we fervent in our prayer life? Is there a fervency? Is it marked by fervency and passion and, and a stretching? Or are we sluggish or maybe lifeless or casual? Certainly, we don't want to be half-hearted, apathetic, or unconcerned, but the kind of prayer that reaches heaven and moves the hand of God is the kind of prayer that comes from a passionate heart. But I want you to notice something else here in Acts 12. Notice that the prayer of God's people was God-centered. It was fervent, but it was also faithful. This congregation joins their, joined their hearts to reach up to heaven and bring supplication before God. A prayer offered in faith is about one thing. And one thing only, really, and that's making a connection with God. Prayer is a relationship, and it's a relationship marked by commitment. It's a relationship marked by connection. We talk to God, we bring our cares, our petitions, our our thanksgiving before Him, and we do so out of faith, with faith. Prayer is a window to our faith. You know, it shows our submissiveness, it shows our faithfulness, it shows our thankfulness, it's about loving at the highest level, and prayer entails everything essential in a relationship with God. All of the essential attributes that come with being faithful to God are the essential attributes to prayer, commitment, sacrifice, dedication. All of those words that we talk about when we talk about discipleship certainly apply to our prayer life. Prayer is action. You know, James talks about faith without works being a dead faith. Prayer is the same way. Prayer is dead if it's not followed by action, if it's not active. You know, we talked about in that series about a month or two ago, uh, Espresso, we talked about how that our prayer life should be active. We should pray as if everything depends on God, but act as if everything depends on us. So prayer must be coupled with action. But there's something else here. In Acts 12, it says that the prayer was focused. Because it was a prayer for him. And who's the him here was? Peter. Again, this sounds rather basic and elementary, but so many times our prayers are general. But if we're not specific in our prayers, how are we going to know when God answers them? Be specific. What is it that you're praying for? What is it that you want God to accomplish in your life? What is it that you're seeking from him? Do you want forgiveness? Be specific about what you want forgiveness for. 
Do you want to see the church succeed? Be specific in, 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 in what you think that that would look like. Be specific in your prayer life. What is it that you are seeking from God? What is it that you are coming to Him with? Let's not miss the fact that the church came together to pray for one of their own. They came together as a family to seek God's help. You want to know what to pray for specifically when it comes to praying for the church? I think we should pray for people. I think we should pray for the lost. I think we should do like our elders do every Sunday night and pray for those who are sick and who are grieving and those who are hurting. Pray that there be more laborers. Pray for those who are burdened with sin. Pray for the family of God to be strong and bold and courageous. Pray that the church could withstand the wiles of the devil. Pray that she will be a bright beacon to the world. Be fervent in, our, in your prayers. Have faith when you pray and be focused in your prayers. What are you praying for? What is it that you hope for God to answer? You know, I, I would say this when we're praying, whether it's publicly or privately. I would say don't make it about you always. Prayer in some ways, if selfish, if, selfish, if you want to call it that, if you want to use that term, we have a rather negative connotation with the term selfish, but obviously we pray for ourselves. I pray for my family. I pray for my own health. I pray for other things that could be considered self-centered, I guess. But don't just pray for yourself. Make sure you're praying for your enemies. Make sure you're praying for those around you who are sick, afflicted, and all those kind of things. Make sure that you're praying for those who, who maybe don't know Jesus, those that you're trying to reach. You know, I, I was at a church one time where the preacher got done preaching. And after it was over, one of the gentlemen came up to lead a closing prayer. And he used the closing prayer to take the preacher to task for everything that he said. So it was kind of an addendum to the sermon, not really a prayer. It was his critique of the sermon and not really a prayer. Obviously, that's not the platform. And obviously, that's not what we should be using prayer for, or should I say abusing prayer. I would also say, when it comes to leading prayer, maybe in front of the congregation, be careful not to give announcements. I've also been to a church where, uh, this is kind of comical, but the gentleman was praying and he said, Dear God, we pray for so-and-so who's in room number 318 at, uh, you know, what such-and-such hospital. And, you know, it's okay. to <laughs> That is a focused prayer, right? But we want to make sure that our prayers are focused on wellness, health, those kind of things. Focus on praying to God, not dispersing information. You know, I'd say don't preach a sermon when you pray. I'd say... You don't have to pray for everything. You know, sometimes we feel an obligation to, to pray for everything all at once. You know, a, a focused prayer sometimes is a, a briefer prayer. You know, if you're asked to pray for the, the bread before, you know, the communion, then obviously that's a more focused prayer, right? And then when we get into our private lives, I don't know about you, but so often it's easy for my prayer life to follow like a list Okay, here's the things that I want to pray for. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. But sometimes we get so accustomed to the list that we don't step outside of that. We don't think about other things or we don't add anything to the list because it's just our, our standard prayer over and over again. I would say try to, you know, maybe keep a list or a prayer journal, but also as a constant reminder, be taking notes, maybe mentally or on your phone about, you know, what it is that I can pray for. Maybe you notice, 
You know, somebody says something, you say, well, I'll pray for you, and we have the best of intentions, right? But a lot of times we forget or we don't. There's an app called Echo. It's a really good app. And Echo allows you to set reminders. It allows you to make a list of people that you're praying for. It also will remind you at whatever point of the day that you want to be reminded. Uh, you can actually com complete the task, so to speak. And that sounds a little odd, but you can go in there and you can mark it off. Okay, I did that today. Um, you can also go back kind of like a journal and see who you've prayed for, maybe how God answered that prayer. I don't know that we always do that, but it's Echo is the name of the app. So you can go to that and maybe that would serve as a reminder or help as well. When we're praying privately, I would say that it's important to always keep in mind that we're making this connection with God and that it's not just our lips that are involved, but the heart and so we're, we're developing the relationship, we're fostering that relationship, so we're not just trying to get something. It's not a vending machine where we put in our prayers and we wait for God to dispense whatever blessing it is. We're fostering a relationship. And so sometimes it's not even about asking, it's just coming to God and saying, you know, thank you for who you are and who you're making me out to be. Thank you, God, for, for answering this prayer that I prayed. Thank you, God, for, for being who you are. Thank you for just being you, Right? You think about how is it that Elijah could actually believe that God would answer his prayer to send fire from heaven and consume that sacrifice? How could Moses actually think that God would part the Red Sea? How could Joshua have the audacity to believe that God would make the sun stand still? I mean, what made Jesus think that he could raise a corpse that had been in the tomb for four days? So many times we find individuals in Scripture that ask the impossible of God because they're so God-focused and so often our prayers kind of stay on the surface. You asking God to do the impossible? Understanding that He may answer in the way that you would like and He may not. Are you bold in your prayer life? Are you God-focused? Are you in tune to God's agenda? Because that's really the key. You know, these people that I just mentioned, they knew what God wanted, and so they sought His will in prayer, and they sensed God's power working through them as He did His work. Uh, stay in book, uh, the book of Acts. Let's, let's look at chapter 4, if you can turn over there real fast. Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is You who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Have you ever noticed the stark contrast between the apostles in the Gospels and the apostles in the book of Acts? I mean, they're, they're quite different, aren't they? In the Gospels, we see the apostles asking things of God like, you know, why don't you rain down fire on our enemies? The requests were things like, can we sit at your right and your left in heaven? Those were the kind of things that they were asking for. But you get over to the book of Acts, and it's completely different, right? At times in the Gospels, they got it right, but most of the time they were out in left field with their request. But in the book of Acts, you find men with a completely different focus. Acts doesn't record any failures of faith on their part. Do you notice that? They were bold. They were courageous. Some tremendous transformation had occurred. But what made the difference? 
is the fact that they had been changed by the resurrection. They saw God's agenda and they bought in. They quit being selfish. They quit asking for a place at the right and to his left in the kingdom. They stopped seeking to sit on the throne and they started putting God on the throne. They understood that this was about something bigger than themselves. And so they were bold in the face of persecution. In short, they became God-centered. And in the verses that we just read, we see that Peter and John were arrested. They were released with the threat of further persecution if they did not stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And they reported this to their friends who immediately did what? They prayed. Why are they praying these things? I mean, they're quoting Scripture back to God. Who does that? Well, we should. You pray scripture back to God? They're quoting scripture back to God. They're reflecting on the history of God's purposes. And I think that would be good too, to, to recite the history of what God has done in our lives as we, James said this morning, we count our blessings. Or I think that would be important. Protect us from our further endeavors in life. Keep us safe. You've heard somebody pray that. Certainly a good prayer. And that's kind of what you know, the apostles, they get together, they pray for boldness, they pray for courage. They pray that God will keep them going forward in this endeavor. Their primary concern was that the message be shared. They weren't seeking shelter or protection or security. They were seeking courage and boldness in the face of persecution that they could carry on and carry out the mission. Is that our primary concern? I hope it is as the church. We may not always be able to discern God's will, but we can always strive to be in tune with his agenda. And when it comes to the work of the church, we know precisely what his will and what his agenda is. We are, and you could probably repeat it by now, we are the agency by which the story of salvation is to be told. And we need to be in tune with that agenda and we need to be praying for that agenda. If you love the church, you pray for the leaders, you pray for the workers, you pray for the sick, you pray for those who are burdened with sin, you pray for those who are struggling, you pray for the church's success. How do we measure that success? Not just by bodies in the pew, but souls in the kingdom. And pray for boldness, courage. Not just for everybody else, but for yourself. That you, like the apostles, can be bold and courageous and carry out the mission. Whether our prayer is corporate or private, may we never neglect kingdom things. We need to be a church on our knees. I want to ask you to do something for me. Maybe you can call it homework or whatever. Many of you use your phone on a regular basis. You don't leave home without it. In fact, that may even be your Bible, but it's definitely uh, a big form of communication in your life, maybe the biggest form. So set a reminder on your phone, put it on your daily calendar, whatever you need to do. Write it in you know, your Bible, write it on the bulletin if you have one tonight, but write this reminder down that every day, at 4.24 in the afternoon, you're going to pray for this church. Can you do that for me? Every day at 4.24 in the afternoon, you're going to pray for this church. What are you going to pray for? Well, I mean, that could be a lot of things, right? I mean, we've got many that are sick, that are afflicted. 
you know, we're, we're kind of coming out of COVID again. You know, pray that we can continue moving forward. Pray for, pray for the lost. Pray for courage. Pray for boldness. Pray that this church will be successful. And by successful, I mean by making and growing disciples. Every day at 424, pray for the church. It can be brief. You, you know, it, it may be that, that you can't necessarily stop and go into an inner room in your house or the closet and pray like Matthew 6, but find a way to just pray a, a short prayer, if you can, for this church. Why 424? Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians 4. In Colossians 4, chapter 2, Paul writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Let that prayer be our prayer. Pray for one another. Pray for the work to be done. Pray for an open door of opportunity. Pray for the church and be steadfast in it. Colossians 4, 2 through 4, 424 every day. Set a reminder to what you need to do to tell yourself when it comes 424. If you've got that Echo Prayer app, it'll do it for you. It'll buzz you and let you know. There's a story of a little girl. She was 12, 13 years old, and she'd been diagnosed with a devastating illness, and unfortunately, there was nothing more that could be done, and, and she was upset because she was very passionate about church, about God, about Jesus, about, you know, those who didn't know Jesus, and so she was disappointed that she wouldn't have more time to devote to the work here on earth of the church, and so she talked to her preacher about it, and her preacher said, well, why don't you just make a list of the people who need to hear the gospel, people that you know in your life that need to, that need to hear the gospel? Just make a list and be praying for them. You can do that much. She was pretty much bedridden. She couldn't do a whole lot. And he said, you could do that. And she said, okay. And so she made a list and, you know, the church got word about what she was doing. And so they saturated their community with the gospel. They knocked doors. It was a smaller community, but they knocked doors and they handed out tracts and they set up Bible studies and it was working. Many people in the community had heard about the efforts of this church and how it all started with a little girl wanting to do more before she passed away. And many people were coming to church, they were listening, they were obeying the gospel. And finally, the little girl passed away and as they were cleaning out her stuff, they found a list of 56 names. 56 names with check marks by them. And every single one of those names had come to Christ. The last one on the list, the night before she passed away. Don't tell me that God can't work. Don't tell me that your request is too big or too bold. I think we need to dive deeper. I think we need to be bolder. I think we need to be more courageous. I think we need to expect more from God than just God garden direct. What do you think? So let's be a praying church and let's wait on God to work. Let's pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to know you. 
So blessed to serve you. So thankful for the church. So thankful for Oldham Lay. May we, God, be your hands and feet in this world. May we seek and save the lost. May we, may we present your gospel to those around us. Open doors for us, God. Let us do bold and courageous things. Send us, and may we go, and may we change the world. God, we love you, and it's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. So, when we leave here tonight, when we go about the rest of our week starting tomorrow, we're going to pray for the church, and then we're going to act on that prayer, and we're going to seek those who need to hear the gospel, and we're going to be Jesus to those around us, right? That's what we're going to do. Thank you so much. I love you guys. I'm so grateful to be a part of this congregation. I'm blessed to be your preacher, but I'm more blessed just to be a part of what's going on here. David's going to lead us in a song. If we can help you in some way, if we can pray for you, if we can encourage you, we'd love to study the Bible with you. Or if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism and take that step, we're ready to do that as well. Whatever your need is, don't leave here tonight without being right with God. Come as we stand and as we sing.